Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Metamorphosis with Anicia Saunders. Um, Today's episode is about stage the Black experience, and what we're going to be talking about particularly is the quote that you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. That may be a quote that you're familiar with, um, and if you're not, that is definitely something that minorities, Black people in particular, a lot of us have had to hear that quote and, and, and come to grips with it. And in some way, shape or form, it might have had to be in, in practice in our lives. So this episode is really special to me because I have two special guests and I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves right now. Salutations, everyone. Um, this is Jamal Steele. I'm very, very honored to be on this episode of Metamorphosis um, with the awesome Anicia. Um, And hopefully we can get into some really, really, really great dialogue um, with this particular episode. And to my left is... (laughs) This is Aisha. I'm ecstatic to be on this um, episode of metamorphosis um i'm certain that the dialogue and discussion that we will have in this um in this particular episode will be not only informative but thought-provoking so i can't wait to get started okay so um i'm just gonna go ahead and jump jump right in um so this quote Um, The reason that I wanted to focus on it in this episode in particular is because it's something that has been rattling in my head a lot lately, Um, especially as someone that I'm I'm a a recent graduate or I'm working to to wrap up my my graduation stuff. And um, I I just see the, the, the type of like opportunities that my peers my age that that are white um obviously there's many factors that that play into people being able to lead the lavish lives that they have but just seeing how so much of it i i don't want it to be a race thing but if 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 i'm going to be real and acknowledge the the real realness of the situation is there are some opportunities there are some things that because of the the way this country is set up and has been set up for so long um some people are set up to to have easier situations and there are things that are to an extent handed to them whereas i do feel i have to work twice as hard to get half as much of those opportunities and i find it infuriating i find it frustrating and I understand that it's not healthy to live in that place of frustration, especially for something that I can't really change. Um, and I do work hard to to try to change my circumstances as much as they are. But it, it's still something that is so frustrating to me. The fact that that's something that young kids even have to be told it it does kind of bring up a sort of resentment because i don't want to have to tell my children one day that you're gonna have to work twice as hard to get half as much as someone and that's just not how 
fair works <laughs> like that's just not how justice is supposed to work and I, I I can't help that these are the circumstances but I, I sure as hell feel that I am entitled to my emotions I'm entitled to my feelings so long as I don't let them hold me back in a significant way but I, I do really want to talk about this um I guess I am talking about it but I do want to talk about it because it's it's really unfair at the end of the day I all I can do is work to make a better life for myself but it it's frustrating that a lot of people won't even acknowledge that this is something that's really real um another thing that helped spark this this episode for me is the fact that I had a conversation with a young man who has a confederate flag um in his home and it is not in his room it is in his like general area of his home and he has two black roommates and i happen to be in this home often so it's something that like i haven't wanted to step on toes and say anything about and it only relates to this topic because when we had our discussions about the flag itself and and what it means to him um he says that he feels that the confederate flag represents what could have been great and i asked him great for who um that was definitely the the question that came into hand and you know his his argument it never really made sense to me in the end i i was very you know open-minded i i was open to dialogue and i was trying to find some sort of clarity but you know i never really received that but what was really just apparent to me is that in our conversations and not, and not just that conversation in particular but in our conversations when i do bring up injustices that affect black people and minorities this to this day um he sort of wanted to discount it and sort of wanted to kind of make the conversation more so we are all you know we all have injustice you know we we have this government that's not for us and you know that's what it boils down to people shouldn't complain um about their particular circumstances because we all have it bad we're all poor and the rich is rich and while that is true you know to an extent there yes there is definitely um you know a lot of things with classism that that make for injustice i think you cannot and i know you can't dismiss the experiences of black people being vastly different from white people because of racist practices and that's what we're experiencing today we're experiencing the direct effects from racist practices affecting our livelihoods today and we do have to work twice as hard to get half of what you have at the end of the day or not what you have but to get half as much as you have um been able to sit on and, and acquire all of these years and that's just it's unfair it's a real thing and we can only fix this problem if we acknowledge it and i don't think the answer is to tell people that you have to work twice as hard to i think 
we need to work harder to dismantle these systems that are made to keep us in this sort of subservient or or just sort of trying to get somewhere at I'm going a lot of different places, guys, but I hope you are all with me. It's it's just very frustrating to me. And I think the conversation more so needs to be what can we do to make it more equal? What can we do to not have people breaking their backs, not even receive half as much as someone else? And I know it's it's harder to get to those details. And we, we all kind of feel helpless. We all don't necessarily know what's going to be the right thing to do. I don't think there's just one answer. But I do think we can look for more solutions. And that's that's just kind of my spiel on, on it. Um, so I'm going to move it over to Jamal to tell you a little bit about his experience with this quote. Well, first and foremost, I... Um, First and foremost, I do I want to touch on one of the situations that you brought up to where saying stating that um, class does come into play. Um, I don't necessarily feel like it comes into play in like every situation because I've seen times where I just give an example. I've seen times where you may have a, a black homeless guy and a white homeless guy like they both at they both at the same level. Both at the same level. They're homeless. Um, but the situation is is that I've heard people say I'm more apt to help the white homeless guy than the black homeless guy because I feel like the white homeless guy, well, he just came on some hard times. Something happened to him and times got hard for him. Or um, he might be a veteran. And you know how they treat veterans. Um, you know how the government treats veterans. You know they can't get their their veterans assistance. This and the third. So I'm more apt to help him than I would the black homeless guy. Even though everything I just named about the white homeless guy could be the same exact thing for the the black homeless guy. Um, but they think I've heard moments where it's like oh I feel it's more of an issue for the black homeless guy because he probably um, he probably got into that situation because of some crime that he committed or because he was in jail for so long and he got out and he don't have no family no more or this that and the third so it's like even with that you're giving different situations as to why the white man is homeless versus the black man, the black man being homeless. Um, my personal experience, as far as that quote is concerned, um, twice as hard to get half to get half as much. Um, I've experienced that countless amounts of times, even in just the jobs that. I, the just the jobs that I've had. Um, I know that there are certain jobs that I've been on. I'm more qualified than a lot of my white counterparts. Um, I'm more qualified than a lot of the white individuals who got the job 
over me. But, you know, we've seen some of these studies where two people walk in, same identical resume. But because this resume says Timothy Thomas and this resume says Jamil Hakeem Davis, um, they giving the job to Timothy because his he has a more acceptable sounding name. And that's ridiculous because these are two identical resumes. There may even be more on my resume than Timothy's resume. But because you, you like how his name looks, then that's who you that's who you're giving a job to. Um I mean we can we, we can go on and on about this situation of working twice as hard to get half as much. That's been a generation that's been a generational thing for us. Because um, our Caucasian counterparts had a 400 plus year head start. You know, um, we get free and we have to go through reconstruction period, then Jim Crow period, then civil rights, civil rights period. Where in civil rights, during the civil rights movement, I feel as though we may have asked for the wrong things and wrong thing instead of asking for equality we should have asked for equity and i've seen this i've seen this described really well in um some pictures that i saw online where with equality um everybody was trying to watch this baseball game over the fence and they gave everybody the same amount boxes to stand on to watch the baseball game. They gave them three. They gave them three boxes. But you gave somebody that's six foot ten, six foot eleven, three boxes. Then you gave somebody else that was five foot eight, five five foot seven, five foot eight, three boxes. And then you gave a little kid that's like five six years old, so he probably all of like three four feet. Three boxes. The six foot ten, six foot eleven guy gonna have a great view of the game. He probably don't even need three boxes. But the other two, mm, not so much. But if you give everybody the specific number of boxes that they need to actually look over the fence, then that's equity. Putting us all in the same place. It's putting us all in the same place that we're all supposed to be in, but giving us all the necessary tools that we need to be in in order to be in the same place. Um, so we don't have to work twice as hard to receive half half as much. Um, <coughs> So how I feel about it, um, I, I definitely concur that um, the idea that we should work twice as hard to receive half as much is absurd. Um, at this point, I feel like 
the saying should be updated in terms of, like you were talking about this being historical, um, <clears throat> a 400-year head start is going to give you exponential growth in terms of what you have versus being working twice as hard and receiving half as much. At this point, I feel like we're working 10 times as hard to receive maybe three not three, I'm sorry, not three quarters, but like maybe um, 25% of what we should actually be achieving. Um, it's, it's frustrating. Um, it's stressful. It is, I guess a good example is um, of, like for me personally dealing with it is, um, when I was in when I was in college, um, going through the engineering program, there was um, this is actually back when I was at the um, the community college before, and we were in differential equations. And I remember that every day I went home and I did my homework. Um, I would get up at like five o'clock in the morning. I would start doing my homework, go over things. If I had any questions, I would write my questions down you know, so I could stay on top of what was going on. And so I could actually not even just stay on top of, but be ahead of the game. Um, so I'm going through and I'm doing all of that. And I'm discussing with um, one of my classmates, you know, my, my, how I schedule things, my routine for how I handle it. And I'll never forget that there was this other classmate that we had, this white, um, this white young man that made the comment about how sorry he felt for me because I was doing my homework. <laughs> and um, I remember thinking that it was ridiculous. Like at the time, I didn't really give it as much thought as um, I guess I should have. That's probably how I was able to get through was by not dwelling on certain things. Um, but the absurdity of, of telling me that you feel sorry for me because I'm putting in the, the work and the effort that's required to get through a program that everyone knows is difficult. This is differential equations. Like this is not, this is not beginner's math. This isn't remedial math. This is, you're on your way to engineering math. You are serious about your math. Um, and it's not even the, that I was struggling with it. It was fun, I liked it. Um, and thinking back on it now, it's, Knowing what I know now about the study groups that my white counterparts had, knowing what I know now about the passing out of, of study materials, I'm putting that in quotes for those of you who can't see me, I'm putting it in quotes, study materials, because the study materials really consisted of old tests that they knew would be passed back around. So I'm working my butt off learning the material, and they're passing around the material. Um... That's, that's why I say that, you know, we're, we're not working. We are not working twice as hard. We are working much harder. I don't even know that I can put a number next to how much harder we are yeah. working than them. But we are, we are actually working harder. We're actually putting in the effort and actually learning. Um, and I think that that also speaks to why um, there are white people that are terrified of competing with us. Because if you know that your head start 
came from a cushy beginning and and um, extra quote unquote help Mm -hmm. that's really cheating you can't compete with people who are actually putting in the work you can't compete with people who actually understand the material who have developed the skills of critical thinking and of being able to figure out a problem and feel for themselves whether the answer that they've come to is accurate. There's just there's there's a lot that comes with that that you don't get by passing around the test. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways that speaks to this some people call it a white lash that we're experiencing. I would call it the second, maybe even third or fourth nadir, the dark period that we're going through, um, similar to the dark period after the first reconstruction, where they're starting to realize yet again that we put in that work. We are willing to do what it takes to uh, not only survive, but to thrive. And when they start to see that we're in a position of actually catching up, like not even surpassing them, just beginning to gain equity, beginning to to feel as though we can get to that same stage, all of a sudden they're afraid. And I guess it makes sense because if you know that you're not going to put in that work into achieving and growing and progressing, you're going to have to put that work into something. And that's going to have to be killing the people and um, just diminishing the people that are actually working. Mm-hmm. Your fear takes over. Um, oh, I'm good for right now. Um, okay, I've been forever and I won't. Um, wow, guys. Um, I just want to give it up for my guests right now because <laughs> this this is this is outstanding um so i wanted to talk to you guys about was i i I gained a few i wrote down some notes and got a few like just questions from from our discussions and what you guys have to say so i wanted to ask so do you guys feel like to an extent we are just sort of forced to accept it and work through it what what's the what is your take on that a lot of times yes um but I guess it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like definitely for for me, a lot of times earlier on in my life, before I really started to understand and really perceive what it was that I was dealing with, I felt I feel like I, I accepted a lot. Not even feel like I know that I accepted a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you become more aware of the history, the structures that you're dealing with, the ways that history rhymes, so to speak. Um, I think that at least from my personal experience, I've become far less accepting of the things that are just um, not even given to me, the things that are put in front of me as though that's all that I've earned. Mm -hmm. What about you? Um, I haven't been, I haven't been very accepting of things like, I guess it's the same as Aisha earlier on, you are, because you feel as though, oh, well, this is how it always has been, and this is how it, since this is how it always has been, this is how it'll continue to be. Um, 
until you realize that the only reason that this is how it is is because you don't have a you don't have a large group of people mm-hmm. that's speaking out about it. Yeah. Um, a very dominating dominating or domineering group of people that's speaking out about it. Um, and so once you continuously become vocal about it, um, that's when change begins. Like you have this, like you have to, you honestly really have to speak, um, speak up and allow yourself to be heard about certain things. Um, you know, going back to situation that you brought up, Aisha, where it was like, being in class and actually doing the work while tests are getting passed around and um, study groups are being had where it's not even really study groups. They're probably just chilling and just looking at the the notes of the test and let's keep going. Um, I mean, it reminds me of a situation that Van Jones had brought up on um, footnotes from the story of OJ on Jay-Z's 444 album where he was talking about how being at um, being at the school that he went to um, he he didn't realize that while he was putting in this work you had individuals like teachers that had already chosen students that they were going to mentor um because you know Dan Van Jones he's getting his law degree mm-hmm. but there are already teachers in the law department that have chosen students that they're going to mentor students they're going to give internships to students that they're actually going to invite to their house mm-hmm. for um tutoring sessions while Van over here putting the work in mm-hmm. because at the end of the day they still consider you just another faceless black person that's a number and that's a number in your class um but until you actually start speaking out about these things and then putting into action of interjecting people into the faculty or interjecting people into your own life that um can mentor you or mentor you in some of these certain situations so that you can be just like you said not even ahead of the game but on the same level as everyone else mm-hmm. um, you'll still always feel as though this is something that you have to accept and this is how it always is, is, is going to be um, we don't have to accept it mm-hmm. but we have to put the work in in order for us to not accept the status quo exactly and that that kind of brings me to to what i want to say um as well is that it, it i feel like it can sort of work in reverse i feel like to an extent um and i read an, an interesting article on it um that there are like psychological studies that say that sometimes be, because of you know all of the messaging um and of just kind of that knowledge of maybe 
the likelihood of obtaining a certain lifestyle is not in the cards for you. Um, it, it can just be discouraging to certain demographics. It can be discouraging to us and it can make you feel like there is no need to even try because will you you won't even be able to to make it to to that place it makes you feel as if um there is this this barrier to entry that and you will just never be able to to get through um and i'll say from my personal experience it is something that has i feel like i've gone through at times because you know as as inspired as i am by the black woman that I see breaking barriers and and doing all of these things in Hollywood, um, still, it's still frightening when, um, well, two things. One thing, I recently saw a video, um, racist, um, it's, it's exposes racist practices and things like that. It's a Facebook show. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they brought up, um, this, there, there was a study that just revealed that for every $100 of wealth accumulated in the, the white population, it's only $5 for black people. Um, and like just seeing that just brought me so much anxiety, you know, it just made me feel so, so frustrated. And then my mind immediately went to all of my peers I see on these lavish trips that just happen to be white you know and then it it also brings me to my thoughts of just like i am up against people and th this is kind of the supposedly the reasoning in hollywood why you know you see so many of the same faces um why white people are trying to play roles for minorities because they have more experience right they have more experience and that's what it boils down to um they have that access to those resources they have taken those dance classes and they 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 can afford all of those like amenities and i'm not saying this is the reality for all white performers but sometimes for me as a black performer it is intimidating to know that people have that experience um they have those those resources they've been dancing since they were four in dance classes dance classes are fucking expensive sorry <laughs> just putting that out there any of those like performance things there it's it's so expensive um and if you don't have the money for those type of things you you just you don't have the access and it really brought me so much anxiety and there were points in my life where I just felt like I should give up or I shouldn't try to achieve this thing because it's inevitable that I'll fall on my face but I think it's just important to acknowledge that because that's not true it it is it is a feeling that I feel like is real and that comes from you know, having known this quote and having known that you do have to work as hard and sometimes you won't even see half as much. But I think that really internalizing that and turning that message into don't work at all is just not the option. It's it's just a setup for a trap. And I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? What do you think about it in reverse? 
<clears throat> I do think it's a trap. Um, it's a difficult trap to not fall into. Um, yeah. Speaking for myself, at least. Um, it's a difficult trap to not fall into. And there are definitely days when I feel like, why am I doing this again? Why, why am I working this hard in this job that I... This won't be a surprise to them. This job that I hate. Um, <laughs> these people that force me to put on this mask that just is excruciating to even think about putting on. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think about... Sorry. When I think about the, the plans that I have the things that I want to achieve and the fact that um, there are people that will come after me. Um, I have an opportunity to to build and to develop and to um, hopefully one day create my own um, work environment where black people feel not just welcome but that being their authentic self doesn't take away from their um, perceived professionalism or intelligence or that being themselves is going to be the difference between keeping that job or losing all opportunity to work in the future. Um, Hell, when I even just think about... um, having children and raising them to be freer than I was that gives me hope that's what pushes me through every day and makes me that's what gets me up and out of bed every day and actually makes me continue Um, because I don't think that we can say that there hasn't been any any progress Um, and we can't say that life for us as traumatizing and as difficult as it is is not better than life had to have been for Ida B. Wells or for Harriet Tubman or for Nat Turner and I just refuse to give up they didn't give up so I'm not going to give up to that amen to that um i mean just coming from the environment that i initially was born and raised in in atlanta um i saw what i like to call um i always call atlanta a black cornucopia the, the the beacon of black excellence if you will and knowing and understanding that with with us in power in every area of power that we can gain um it puts us in a position of being not being like our caucasian counterparts and in taking that power and abusing it, you have those instances where it does indeed happen. 
Um, but in, in cases where it happens, um, there are many of us that live within those communities and live within the city that's going to instantly put you in check about it. And so um, I've always felt that I've always felt that if we that if things were in reverse and we were the and we were the powerful entity on earth as opposed to um, Europeans that we would not do them the same way that they did us because we're very, like black people as a whole people of African descent as a whole we're very compassionate and we're very understanding sometimes to a fault <laughs> um and I, and I really feel like it's at the point where we aren't even asking for like we aren't even asking for power or even trying to gain power for us to overthrow overthrow white people and being perceived though put them yeah put them away Mm -hmm. um we doing it as a sense of yo we got ours now just leave us the heck alone Mm -hmm. like go over there somewhere (laughs) please and thank you like that that's that's Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma was a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the most wealthiest neighborhood in all of Tulsa. And they didn't take their wealth and try to exile white people out of Tulsa. They were just like, yo, we got ours. Now it's, just leave us alone. <laughs> it's just, it seems to just be an issue with black joy. I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, or just black minding the fuck your business. Um, because I mean, we see all these instances where people are just sitting in the comfort of their school's what common area and and the police being called on them or barbecuing and police being and I just like I love black people, but it's just we're so funny like we it's not even like they took it serious the next day they were out there a full barbecue party with every all black people there like. You know, it's just, like, we just have this, like, enduring spirit that, like, I'm, like, so happy about. But it's just, it, it's definitely frustrating. But I I do think, like, what both of you guys have said, that, like, it is important that we still fight. And that, yes, there we have ancestors that have had to fight through so much more. Mm-hmm. And now we have this opportunity to use our voices and, and say, even this podcast, I feel like... um us just candidly saying what we think is is an injustice and not being afraid to say that even though yeah there there are some people that are going to disagree but i think it's it's so just like amazing that we have this opportunity another thing that i wanted to to bring up is that they're like i i really am happy for these figures that are ta- speaking up about the injustices um i think a cnn former executive producer producer um recently cnn put out on twitter that um there's like in atlanta uh, a court of like all black women or oh is yeah, that, that uh county yeah. is it south Ca- fulton south fulton yes yeah it's, a sad, it's an actual city 
in in Atlanta known as South Fulton, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And in South Fulton, Georgia, everybody who runs the city, yeah. um, as far as like their justice system, mm-hmm. whether it be the police, the courts, judges, whatever, is all black women. Uh, um, and matter of fact, that city is the only incorporated city in the entire city of Atlanta um that's a black owned city wow yeah so they brought attention to it and then um the former producer um (laughs) tweeted in response and said well how many black women are um in leading positions at cnn (laughs) Mm. and um that i think that's it was really interesting that she said that because yes like and it's not to downplay that that is outstanding Mm -hmm. but um it is interesting that she brought that up because so much of our livelihood um like it all goes into the conversations about what's happening um in the workplace and and what's happening um to feel comfortable and to feel like you can be your authentic self i think that the media has so much power i think that who's running the media um it's it's so important that we have representation in the people that are giving us our news uh if it is biased it is going to continue to perpetuate these ideas of this specific um narrative narrative yeah and this 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 way that beauty should be um this shape and form of it and it is it's stressful i feel like especially as black women i the way that i see that i am treated different in the workplace when my hair is a specific way um or you know I, I, if there is a i have a coworker that's why um she can kind of like be frowning and chilling at the front but if i'm frowning um my boss is probably come to me and be like you need to smile like because oh i look intimidating and you know like or that's that's what i'm giving off because i'm not showing all my teeth right now um buying a black body how dare you not show your teeth (laughs) (laughs) like i think i think it's i think so much of it is and that's why representation matters because we are able to consume so much now we are i mean it has to really be shown that we're we're not a monolithic group of people (laughs) like the the like this isn't a monolithic society that we live in. So why do you think that black people are the... Uh, that amazes me sometimes how other people can feel that black people have to be the only group of people where everybody is the same. Like black men are thugs, they wear their pants mm-hmm. off, off of their behind. Black and, women are promiscuous yes. and we just... And it's, 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 it's like, yeah, like insert whatever stereotype that you have about Mm -hmm. black men and black women. And that's how all of us are. We thugs, we're thugs, we're criminals, um, we're uneducated. Oh, can I insert a hypothesis here about why I think that might be? Sure. (laughs) I think, um, I think that the reason why it's comfortable for them and actually necessary Mm-hmm. for them to view us through the lens of, um, I guess, the lens of a monolith or view us as being monolithic yeah. is 
because to look at us in any other way would mean that they'd have to contend with the reality and the history of what's happened. Mm. If viewing you as being unhappy is a normal and natural thing, then they also have to take into consideration, why aren't you happy today? Mm. What has happened in your day and in your life that has made you now frown or scowl or has just, I don't know, pissed you off? Um, and And how do I, as your... White, white people love to take you on as being their friend. <laughs> How can I, as your boss but friend, now help you with that you know, issue that you're having? How do I address it? And the truth is, they don't want to address it. They don't want to deal with they it. They don't want to be a part it. of it. Yeah. It's the reason why, what, 75% of them don't live near or even encounter um, black people specifically, but people of color for the most part in their daily lives. They can live their whole lives without knowing us. I could, uh, it, that brings me back to, and this was something that you and I had a conversation about last year. Because okay. um, last year in Cobb County, mm-hmm. a, a county in, in the Atlanta area, yeah. they had a meet a black person day. Oh, I forgot. Freaking forgot oh about my god. Like, <laughs> like oh because my god. because because it was yeah. I saw the story yeah, on, on CNN. Oh my gosh. Um and um I I saw the story on CNN and it was crazy. It was like Meet a black person. Seventy to seventy to seventy five percent of seventy to seventy five percent of black people um don't got I mean seventy seventy five percent of white people don't have don't black, have black friends. friends or live near black people. <laughs> live yeah. near black people. And so because of that it's like, oh well this is what we're gonna do. We gonna have a meet a black person day. Because oh these aren't gosh. adults that have control or autonomy over their <laughs> lives. If they wanted to meet, live near or interact with us, they would have already. Yeah. And it's it's really crazy. It's 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 outrageous and I talk about it a little in my on my episode about my workplace issues but like it's even like it's so much in the workplace that you can observe this because I work at a restaurant and you know if 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 a black family comes in I see the demeanor of the servers change they don't want a black family to sit in their section because they and the way that they word it is I don't like don't seat me with any ratchets um, I don't understand what that means. What do you What do you mean? Because it seems like every time there's a black family that walks in, that's what you consider ratchet. So where is the correlation? And it it's like that's just one of the stereo. That's just something that there there it goes. They are making an assumption because they see a black face, mm-hmm. and there's just there's so much wrong. There's 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 so much wrong with the way that um these interactions happen that the fact that we are still needing to prove that we are human beings um but overall um i have hope i'm optimistic um i feel we're all optimistic we we all know that like even this this episode and talking about this is making a change so um i guess we're gonna wrap it up uh i want to say thank you guys so much for joining me Uh, i'm going to give you guys some time to um 
I'm about to hand it over to you guys so you guys can just kind of say your goodbyes and sh your plugs and shout out all your, your things. Okay. Um, well, mine's really quick, so you'll have plenty of time. Um, <laughs> the only thing I really want to say is um, thank you to you, Anisia, very much for um, giving me the opportunity to speak on your podcast. Um, and the only thing I really want to plug are a few books. There's... Um, White Fragility, I think it's called, by Robin D'Angelo. Um, that's really promising, and I would suggest any white person listening to this, read it. Anyone who knows white people who need to do anti-racist work, give them that book. Show them her videos. Um, that and um, Ibram X. Kendi, I believe is his name, stamped from the beginning. Um, oh, as well as Dr. Joy DeGruz, um post-traumatic slave syndrome those books yeah read those okay well once again thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for inviting me onto the podcast um i currently have an ep out right now as i do this rapping thing um and i'm really good at it <laughs> Um, the name of the EP is called The Triumphant Journey. I named it that because I feel like in some journeys in life, you have to go at those journeys alone. And so because of that, it's four songs on the EP, all songs written by me. I'm the only person on each song and all songs are produced by me as well. Um, look me up on any of your streaming outlets. Um, Jamal Steele, J-A-M-A-L-S-T-E-E-L-E. -E -E. That's also the same name I go by on all my social media as well. Um, I got upcoming projects coming out later on in the year. As always, if you want to get acquainted with something, get acquainted with greatness because it's the greatest thing that you can get acquainted with. And that's it. <laughs> all right so thank you guys again and um i had a lot of fun doing this episode so i will definitely um just want to let you guys know you're my first um co-host i've i've never featured other people on metamorphosis so i'm really excited that you guys are the first um i definitely want to do it some more so um just be sure, guys, to give me feedback, your comments. I really appreciate them. Just let me know. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.